I, I love your interpretation of the DMX growl. <laughs> it's so amazing. Like, this is just the ideal way to growl. All right. Yeah. Uh, DMX has his interpretation and I have mine. Welcome to But What If I Tried Acting, where we discuss movies made by musicians and how we feel about them. I am Sanchez. I almost said Chelsea, but I didn't because my podcast <laughs> name is Sanchez. Um, with me is Butler, as always. Hello. Hello, Butler. Hello. And also with me is Garth. Hey, guys. <laughs> Should we just start calling you Ginsburg, just so we all are doing last names? Um, my masculinity doesn't like it. <laughs> if, if we can, just, if we can stick with Garth, it just make me, the white male, feel more comfortable. <laughs> yes, the patriarchy that has been so deeply ingrained in me agrees with you. We shall stay with Garth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like why change things at this point? You know, just keep just, just keep calling me Garth. It's fine. It's just easier for Garth, so that's just how we'll do it. That sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so this season we are talking about DMX. Uh, Last time we talked about Belly. Today we're going to talk about an incredible film, Romeo Must Die. Romeo Must Die was released March 2nd, 2000. So, moving into the millennium. Um, Okay. (laughs) I was avoiding having to say this. Okay, uh, it was directed by, are we all going to try and pronounce it? Okay, yeah. So I have a Polish sister-in-law who taught me how to say this name. And even though I've already forgotten what she says, uh, Sanchez, how do you think you pronounce it? Okay, Uh, I believe that the name of the director is pronounced like, like, like Andrzej Bartowkiak. Like that, you know? Butler. So I think it's Andrzej <laughs> Barczkowiak. Oh, I, I totally botched that. It doesn't. Oh well. Don't worry about it. Did you say um, Barczkowiak? Like Bartok? yeah, I meant to say Barczkowiak, but like my tongue doesn't agree with how the name needs to be said. <laughs> I am pretty sure it's Andrzej, though. Uh, how do you actually pronounce it, Garth? Uh, well, first of all. Uh, I apologize to my sister-in-law for already forgetting her <laughs> lessons on how to say this name. It's Andrei Barkovia. Oh, um, dang it. All and right. The, and, the, and the thing that I have a problem with is that you're supposed to roll the R in, in like, Bart. I cannot roll R's. Is it Bartkoviak? Like that? Yeah, it's like, like Bartkoviak. Bartkoviak. Yeah, not nearly that heavy a roll, but yeah. Yeah. It's an important name to get because he is directing the next two movies we're covering. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we have two more episodes to fuck it up. Fantastic. Or to get even better at it. Maybe (laughs) one day we'll get it right. Um, I kind of want us to get worse. (laughs) Just Andrew Bartok. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. uh, So 
directed by this person, um, whose name we already said, don't have to say it again, until next time, um, written by Eric Burnt and John Gerald, and the story is by Mitchell Kapner. And then fight choreography was also done by famed Hong Kong stunt choreographer Corey Yen, who worked on a lot of other projects with Jet Li, including his big U.S. debut in Lethal Weapon 4. One of your co-hosts is a big fan of Jet Li films. I wonder which one it is. Who could it be? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, as discussed, it's starring Jet Li, uh, Aaliyah, Delroy Lindo, Isaiah Washington, Henry O, Anthony Anderson, and with DMX. You know, he's fancy because he's a with credit, not a normal credit. That that is something that gets negotiated by agents. Yeah, the the with credit or the 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 with or the featuring. Yes, so he's very special that he got with. Uh, And something important to remember about this casting is that Jet Li gave up the role he was going to do in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon through this movie because he wanted to focus on his U.S. career and he thought this would make him a big star. And I suppose it did not do that, but also like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon became such a bigger movie than this. Uh, So Chow Yun-Fat got to star in that instead. And then also another interesting thing is that Aaliyah previously turned down the role of Juliet in Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet because really? she wasn't ready to try acting yet. Seriously? Seriously, I, yeah. I did not know that. That would have been Yeah, isn't very... that such a weird coincidence? Yeah. Instead, she's Juliet in this Romeo and Juliet. That's incredible. <laughs> I am, that is, that is incredible. That is fascinating. I, I think I would have wanted to have seen that. <laughs> yeah. I want to see um, what like Jet Li's career would have been like if he made the other decision. And yeah, yeah I think it's really interesting. Because instead he does all these like mainstream sort of like hip hoppy action yeah. movies. Well, a in while. a way, I think that probably makes him popular, more popular with just like a dim- different demographic in the U.S., which in some way maybe plays to his favor. Yeah, like I, like, I definitely think he made the better like financial decision. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But it's just like, it's like, would we revere him more if, I mean, not to say he isn't revered already, but like, would he be like a bigger deal if he did like the big famous, you know, Oscar winning Kung Fu movie? Well, I don't know. I mean, if you think about it, he is still a much bigger name than Chow Yun-Fat is, at least if within like the US market. So I think it was like maybe a better decision, maybe not like the prestige choice, but it's... Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he, he got to learn football. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So speaking of... to learn a lot of skills. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of learning, uh, this is a movie full of firsts for people. Um, so it's Jet Li's first lead in an English language film. It's Aaliyah's mm-hmm. first movie. It is... Andre Bart... Bart... Mr. Um, Bart- just call him Barry, yeah. like our other friend, <laughs> who has a long last name. What? Do we want to just call him Barry, like our other friend that has a long last name? <laughs> oh, no, I don't believe in that. I believe in trying to pronounce people's <laughs> names. This is a person's name. Like, he deserves at least a, like, a, good, a good college try in pronouncing his name. Um, okay, I just, was just teasing yeah, you, it, sorry. It's not his fault that Americans are dumb. <laughs> it's not his fault. Go, you got this. You got it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Andre Bartkoviak. Uh, first time directing a movie 
Yeah. Um, yeah. It's DMX's first yeah. supporting role. Um, yeah, she probably mentioned he's in this movie for like maybe 10 minutes total. <laughs> um, that, that's a very generous. It's, it's it is a very generous amount of time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, yeah. It's probably closer to like three or four minutes. I well, you could yeah. we can discuss it later, but you could argue that you feel his presence in a lot of other scenes, like yeah, when, you could you know, really, he's yeah, like he's, or something. His essence is really kind of like its own character in the movie. Um, <laughs> well, isn't like the first song you hear a DMX song? It is. It the very first song is um, what is it called? It's like "Let Me Crawl" or something like that. No, it's "I'm Gonna Crawl." Sorry, and that's mm. the very first thing you hear in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, this movie has a weird habit of putting in songs from the artists who are on screen, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Right. Okay, yeah, final first. Um, Jet Li and producer Joel Silver claim that they were the first ones to introduce the technique they used for the x-ray um, to uh, American audiences. So there, we'll talk about this, I'm sure, later too, but there's uh, several wonderful scenes in the movie where they're, like, fighting, and then, like, you kind of get, like, x-ray vision during the movie, and so you see, the like, the skeletons of the people fighting. It's <laughs> truly fantastic stuff. Um, well worth including. I mean, it is arguable that DMX is the most famous person in this movie at this point. Yes. You know, like, Aaliyah, Aaliyah was a big artist. Right. And Jet Li had a lot of fame in international markets. Mm-hmm. But I mean, DMX, I mean, we're getting into context now, but like, at this point, DMX had three platinum albums. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it's tough because, like, I'm kind of, I'm leaning towards Aaliyah, but I also don't know if it's, like, my brain remembering Aaliyah as being super famous in 2000. Mm-hmm. In my head, Aaliyah becomes way more famous after this movie because um, Try Again was the big song from this movie soundtrack and Jet Li was in the video. And it was this really cool video where it's, like, there's black water and they're dancing above. Like, it's still from the era of music videos where mm-hmm. it's, like, let's just fuck a concept or whatever. Like, let's just build a really cool set and have everyone dance around in it. It sounds like that. It re- we had this discussion, um, when was it? Oh, when we were watching that music video, it's uh, Missy Elliott and... No, I'm sorry, it's Janet Jackson and... Um, oh, and Buster Rhymes? Yes, and Buster Rhymes. And we were like, there is clearly, like, the concept is cool space movie. That That's, like, <laughs> the concept of the music video. And it has nothing to do with the song. But it looks awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Interesting. Context. Yes. Um, so a month after Belly's released, um, DMX puts out Flesh of My Flesh and Blood of My Blood. Uh, that is his second album that goes platinum. A year later, he puts out... And then there was X, um, which is, I believe, to this date, DMX's highest-selling album... Uh, it's the album with like "What's My Name" and "Party Up" and "What These Bitches Want." <laughs> um, a, a, a favorite in the Ginsburg Butler apartment. <laughs> sure, I guess you could call it that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that song! <laughs> I, I, you know, I think in a weird way that song really summarizes DMX's appeal because he's not just gonna like uh, leave you once you express feelings for him he's going to rob you and then he's going to leave you <laughs> and then he's gonna get mad if you're mad about what he did <laughs> rightly angry about it oh god just, just pure scumbaggery it's 
incredible. Um, it's just you hear that song and then you remember how much you loved Party Up, for example, and you're just like, oh, God, like, I should not have been listening to this. We put up with a lot as hip hop fans. Yes. <laughs> Um, but also yeah so just to put um where kind of hip-hop was at this point um and then there was x was the 10th highest selling album of 2000 and the sixth highest was human clay by creed yeah (laughs) as someone who doesn't really listen to any creed i don't think i can name you a creed song i'm gonna need somebody to like tell me what are some of the songs off this album (laughs) Uh, well, there's the one where the girl's like, <laughs> you, you know, that one? Yeah, that that's <laughs> definitely who I was thinking Creed was. <laughs> is that the one where it's like, Creed. like, can you take me higher? Is, it, is that Creed? Oh. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's Creed. Yeah. I got Creed mixed up with corn. <laughs> no, well, those are two very different things. <laughs> <laughs> they are. I, whoops. I was so surprised. Okay, I feel like now you're just doing like an Eddie Vedder impression. (laughs) Also, in case any of you were curious, uh, the number one selling album was NSYNC's No Strings Attached. Yeah, that's my favorite part of this music trivia. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I just remember it was like a very big thing in the sleepover game in the year 2000 was popping in the cool DVD of Darren's Dance Grooves and learning... <laughs> the what? Darren's Dance Grooves. What is... What is you don't know what... The, you never did oh, this man. at Sleepovers? No. I don't no? know what this is. You don't know? Oh, my no. God. Okay. Like, every sleepover... I've never done this. What is this? Every sleepover I went on, I would, like... Me and my friend, we'd drink, like... We would drink, like, Diet Coke and, like, eat popcorn <laughs> and, like learn all of the dance moves because like the choreographer for I think like NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys and like Britney Spears he released all of these like DVDs where it's like you too can learn like you know the you know what? whatever the NSYNC hoppy dance or whatever um and that's what we would do at sleepovers I completely miss this I don't know how it's a missed I think opportunity maybe we just subbed it in for just dancing around to the music <laughs> Like, we would just have a dance party on top of our, like, sleeping bags. And, I mean, like, blast in sync until my mom told us that it was, like, 10 o'clock and we should go to bed. <laughs> no more time for dancing. Yes. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, like, this is definitely, like, a very weird time for music in general. Because, like, I feel like boy bands are, I don't know, I guess boy bands are still popular. But I think they're different now. Right? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're in, like, at this point, we're kind of in the final days of boy bands, we're transitioning from boy bands to Eminem. Right. Uh, because Eminem also sold, high, like, uh, I think it was Slim Shady LP. Yeah. Um, sold higher than, uh, and then there was X. Well, I but mean. I think, and, 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 and then there was X has higher first week sales. Like, I, I whatever, the, the logistics of Billboard, I, I don't want to learn it. <laughs> you, you you can't have everything from me, listener. <laughs> Eminem is basically a one man boy band. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, and um, as far as legal proceedings, um, in the summer of '99, uh, DMX's home was raided. Uh, illegal weapons and fourteen pit bulls were seized. Uh, he was charged with animal cruelty, but the 
Uh, he The charges were dropped after he agrees to do PSAs, which I attempted to find, but couldn't. Um, <laughs> were they, like, video PSAs? I don't know. I, 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 the, the thing just said, like, he has agreed to do public service announcements. Presumably, that means oh, video at this point, right? I mean, probably. I, like, I remember when I... So I interned on Capitol Hill when I was in college, and... One day I showed up for work and this guy basically just like ran down the hallway at me and he was like, you know, Michael Vick is in that like this room over here. Right. And I was like, what? (laughs) And so I went into the room and it was Michael Vick was doing. um, He was speaking on behalf of the Humane Society (laughs) um, to to Congress, I guess. Right. Um, he did, like, a little, yeah, <laughs> it was very weird. Um, it was a, a, an exciting day on Capitol Hill, but, uh, so yeah, I don't know. I guess DMX could have been doing that. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the most like obvious PR move. All right. Yeah. I want to write, uh, DMX goes to Washington. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh, I love it. Yes. <laughs> uh, he also got a uh, driving without a license and a marijuana possession arrest, but, you know, that, that, that's a blip Ooh. on the DMX legal radar. Uh, but yeah, that and so now we are at Romeo Must Die. So Romeo Must Die, it is a, as the title tells you, it's a loose adaptation of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet with Jet Li as Romeo and Aaliyah as Juliet. And we open the movie with DMX rapping. Uh, it's <laughs> and the the cre- like opening credits take us to a club owned by DMX. His character's name is Silk, and what we see is a guy named Poe gets in a fight with the black people that own the club. The next day, he is found by a child. A child finds him hanging from a light pole in uh, some neighborhood. And it turns out that Poe is the son of Chu Sing, who is the leader of the Chinese mob. And uh, we find this out because his right-hand man, Kai, delivers this awful news. And then we go to the uh, leader of the black mob. His name is Isaac O'Day. And he's trying to go legit. He is telling his henchman, Mac, that he's really concerned about the fact that Poe was killed. He's worried that it's going to get blamed on him and his crew. So he sends Mac out to try to find out who killed him because it's really important to keep relations good because right now the black mob and the Chinese mob are doing a business deal together. Um, And almost forgot, DMX drops some really amazing knowledge in his club. He says, guns don't kill people. People kill people. It's really Mm. deep, guys. Profound. It is. It's it's like most of the dialogue in this movie Um, is very deep. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think DMX has some some very grade A dialogue. <laughs> yes, definitely. In this film. I mean, ev- everyone does. Out. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so then we move on, and we're in Hong Kong, and we're, like, in a jail, and everyone's eating cereal. Um, They're eating fried rice. And... <laughs> oh, you're right. You're not... <laughs> it was rice. I forgot. Um, Did that look like cereal to you? What's your what's your No, I like I knew. <laughs> you know, I said out <laughs> I don't eat I don't really eat cereal. I said out loud to my dad because we were watching it together. I said that is like the best looking prison food I've ever seen. And he was very confused by that thought. But if you think about it, prison food usually looks disgusting when it's presented on camera. Like it's just designed to look inedible. And this fried rice actually looked really good. 
It did look very tasty. Um, and it was definitely not cereal. <laughs> uh, I take that back. <laughs> um, but yeah, we pan into like Jet Li and he's eating the rice that's not cereal. And um, he finds out that um, the Poe guy um, was murdered and he has to escape prison. So he es- escapes prison and then we find out that they're brothers and that's why he has to like escape and go. To, yes, America. to avenge his brother's death find out what happened yes um so anyway because of the tensions between the two mobs uh isaac arranges security for his daughter trish that's Aaliyah, and he sends he sends a security guard played by anthony anderson named maurice uh he sends him to meet yes. trish and uh, she owns this insane store that is a clothing store, a cafe, a like boys and girls club, and also like a, a dance club. I don't know. It, it has all of the things. All right. So then Jet Li comes to America and he like leaves the airport and he has a sort of, there's like some sort of like funky taxi cab switcheroo <laughs> situation going on. And then... um. He ends up in the ca- in a cab with Trish, and then he drives her home. And it's very, like, funny, funky, flirty, adventurous. <laughs> so next, we find out that both the Black Mob and the Chinese Mob are in league to try to take possession of a NFL franchise and bring it to Oakland. So to do that, they have to build a new stadium, and to do that... They need the land, so they are both working to clear out businesses that are currently on the Oakland waterfront so that they can build the stadium there. Uh, They're doing these dealings with two extremely annoying characters. One of them, Mr. Roth, who I guess is the mo- is the main NFL connection. It's not really clear what exactly his job is, but he sucks. You know who sucks even more, though? His right-hand man, Dave. I hate him. Oh, Dave. <laughs> He just sucks. He comes in here with this dumb cheddar line and it's like, who are you? Where did you come from? Why are you here? I don't know. It should also be noted for <laughs> Sanchez and I's amusement that uh, Mr. Roth is played by Christopher Moltisanti's heroin buddy from The Sopranos. <laughs> Always good. Always love to see a Sopranos person out and about in the world. Uh, Isaac, uh, it turns out, also has a son named Colin. That's Trisha's brother to be clear and he is apparently setting up a separate deal to help mend the ties and the rift between the black gang and the chinese gang it would just make things more peaceful than they already are because currently they're only connected by this business deal which is completely based in greed other than that they still hate each other the idea is that they want them to actually like like each other uh, so anyway, that's a lofty goal, and apparently it's not popular with everybody in the gang, so that causes some tension. Yeah, so basically, um, tensions escalate uh, between the gangs, and then, you know, the business owners kind of along the waterfront, um, including DMX, and lots of people are killed to clear the way for the stadium, and Han is kind of investigating the murder of his brother um, throughout all of this, and Trish is helping. Right, and then, so one of these moments is there's a fight between Jet Li and a female Chinese hitman, and because Jet Li says, I can't hit girls, he instead uses Aaliyah's body as a weapon. Like, he moves her legs to make her kick the hitwoman. (laughs) 
And it's hilarious. Yeah. And we get more of that X-ray moment. And it also reveals that uh, the Chinese mob is killing Chinese people and Chinese business owners to get their land deal. Oh, shit. It's crazy. And it turns out that the black mob is doing the same thing. In fact, Mac oh is in charge of that. And he does that in probably one of my favorite scenes of this movie. <laughs> The crab scene. Ah, yes. The crab scene is truly iconic. <laughs> I I laughed so hard. I was so happy to see it. <laughs> it basically involves Mac holding the owner of like a, a base. I think a crab shack is essentially what he owns. He, he holds. Oh, yeah. thank you. Sorry. Yes, that is uh, more obviously what he did now that you just said it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he's a fisherman. <laughs> And he hold, Mac holds the guy's face into a bucket of crabs and threatens him with crabs and a gun at the same time and forces him well, to. Well, it's not just that he threatens him with crabs. It's like he pushes his head into the vat of crabs and then like has to like <laughs> scrape crabs at the fucking dude to yeah. make it seem like what he's doing is scarier than it actually is. Because the crabs yeah. won't really pinch him. <laughs> well, it's not like they're bees or something, right? Like they're not going to, it's not like viscerally that scary and like from a kind of visual perspective it's not as like fear inducing as something else and it's also just this man like slowly smooshing another man <laughs> into a thing full of crabs while the crabs just kind of like slowly like shimmer shim around and yeah, like there's no like insert shots of like pincers like no pinching his face or anything it's just like yeah yeah i think worst case they pinch his shirt and that's it <laughs> Yeah, like, it's it clearly doesn't seem as dangerous as it's supposed to be. You know, it's not, like, boiling water or something. It's just, like... Yeah, this fisherman has found, like, the most benign crabs in, in, in all of crabdom. And, and, yeah, it, just, and exactly. it just happens to screw Isaiah Washington over, like, I'm trying to be scary. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, it was hilarious. Um, so Chu and Kai, it turns out they killed Poe in order to protect the NFL money and Mac sort of like fails in his goal to take over the black gang and then just, you know, all of the bad people die. There's sort of an epic fight between Jet Li and Kai where he has to do it with like severely burnt hands. (laughs) Um... And we get more of the x-ray, and he ends up killing Kai by, like, flipping him and crushing his spine, is what we're led to believe by the x-ray. Anyway, in the end, Jet Li and Aaliyah take off together. No cops stop them in their escape from this obvious crime scene, and we are to assume that they live a happy life together, I suppose. And there's no kiss. There's no no kiss. kiss. No. Would you guys like to know why there's no kiss? Well, I read some IMDb trivia, and I'm wondering if we have the same answer. We might. It's a. I think it was like it's a story that's told by Jet Li, where basically he says they did film that scene, but it tested poorly with audiences. Uh, in my mind, it was probably very cringy, but also apparently it didn't work as well in the story because uh, Chu actually commits suicide, and it would have been weird for his son to just go make out with his daughter. Yeah, that that's what I read. It's like, hey, uh, my I just yeah. found out my father murdered my brother, and my whole family's dead. Let's kiss. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So, multiple uh, things going on there. Yeah. So, oh, and then there's also yeah. this amazing <laughs> football scene yeah. where Isaiah Washington invites Jet Li to play pickup. Yeah, football. it is truly fantastic. Uh, we will discuss the football scene. So good, but uh. 
Butler, I have a question. Yes, what's up? So this is uh, this is my first time seeing this movie, and this is Sanchez's first time seeing this movie. Mm-hmm. When was your first time seeing this movie? Oof. Uh, it was a long time ago, so I don't really know what the first time was. The most likely answer is that I probably saw it on cable. Like, it used to play on MTV and BET and I think TNT a lot. Uh, so it's most likely I saw it on cable when it first came out, and that would have been like probably 2001 or 2002 if the movie came out in 2000. But there's also a chance that we we rented it from Blockbusters and I watched it with my parents like late 2000. I definitely watched this movie way too young. Um, But as such, it has become a lifelong love of mine and probably did a lot to shape my opinions on movies and what I like in movies now. (laughs) Yeah, not only do I see that, but also your like weird attachment to cable. Cable's amazing. All right, listen. Cable is underrated. Cable's great. Yeah, I. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent on Butler's side. The 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 rest of the world is going in one direction. You guys, you and you guys are like the two. Listen, this is when I have to. You're the last two left. This is when I have to state that I have to admit. First of all, I am a Comcast employee technically, but these opinions are my own, and this is not a sponsored (laughs) ad. I just love cable. I love that you can turn on the TV. And Romeo Must Die is on, and there's two different like there's two different <laughs> marathons of Law and Order. Cable is great. Um, I would also like to jump in and say that as someone who doesn't own cable right now, I was in a place where I was around cable over the summer, and I got to watch every single Twilight movie <laughs> over the course. I of I also four saw days. those marathoning on Freeform, <laughs> and I wouldn't have done that without cable. <laughs> okay, so I want to talk about Aaliyah for a minute. Um, Okay. What are all of our relationships with Aaliyah and her music? Hmm. Well, I think like I said earlier, the only music video of hers I can remember is Rock the Boat. And I don't know. I really like her. I cannot, unfortunately, name a lot of songs. But in general, I know that I like most of her music. Yeah, I feel like that's not a lot of like. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I mostly know her through the lens of like the all of the like R. Kelly shit that happened. Um, yeah, like I I feel like I really like, I remember that she was like a pop star and that she died and then like I listened to her music but I don't think I like owned any of it. Um, it was more of a kind of like I heard it on the radio a lot because you heard things on the radio back then. Yeah. I think to me she was maybe more famous because she died so young. And then I remember hearing what a big deal it was that she was in Queen of the Damned. Yeah, I think for me, um, see, I was too busy being a really super cool and biscuit fan uh, <laughs> at, at the time when like Aaliyah was at her height. I did not know this about you. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, my mom bought me this censored version of Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water from Walmart. Is that an actual album name? That is the name of Limp Bizkit's third album. Jesus. That's, I mean, I kind of like a hot dog water related album, but... Yeah, well, I mean, it's all like dicks and butthole jokes, but... Um... Oh, that's not as good as it just being about uh... hot dog water. <laughs> Yeah, no, but my mom bought me the censored version of that album from Walmart, um, and nice. uh, that, that's who I was in middle school. 
<laughs> yeah. Or, or at least like early, or at least like early, like late lower school, or early middle school. Right. Um, just the worst new metal and all that crap. So I wasn't very appreciative of Aaliyah in the moment. Uh, roughly around sophomore year of college is when I finally listened to the posthumous like self-titled album. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's really damn good. And then year, like I think it was like last year I listened to One in a Million. Mm-hmm. And I think one in, I think One in a Million is unbelievably underrated. Mm-hmm. I think that album is just so damn good. I've never summoned the whatever to listen to the first album because of all the R. Kelly. So, you know, yeah. he co-produced the whole album and he's like, he's lingering in like the background of the album cover. Yeah. Yeah. And the album's called like, was it like age isn't age and nothing but a number? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's all bad. Like I, I I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm sure the music's great, but like, I, I just can't fucking do it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Um, Have you guys heard the song she did for the animated Anastasia? Because that was one of my favorite songs by her as a little what, kid. Which song did she do? It's the song that they sing. <laughs> it's at the end credits, and I just remember the music video for this because it was like it was it played before the beginning of the VHS tape starts the movie, oh. and it's her in the animated. France in Paris, and she's going on. She's dancing on top of the elevator, going to the top of the Eiffel Tower. Oh my so, god! So wait, it's, it's her. It's her in the animated world. It's her human. Her in the animated world. Yeah, like you know, oh. they filmed her on green screen or something. That sounds fucking incredible. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. You're yeah. I also had that VHS. It's so good. I don't even think I realized that was Leah. It is her. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I like. So I thought Aaliyah was. You know how in Clueless where. She's at, like, what's-his-face, like, leaves her at the liquor store, and then she gets mugged. Yeah. And then she's like, no, you don't understand. This isn't Aliyah. It's, like, a very important <laughs> designer. I thought Aliyah and Aaliyah were the same person. Like, I thought Aaliyah was Love just it. also a fashion designer. <laughs> and- I mean, full-on until, like, maybe two years ago, where I, like, thought about that. was like, that's there's no way that's right. That cannot be true. Well, in this movie, she's a fashion designer. See, well, hence the confusion. Well, is she a designer, or does she just own her clothes? I don't know. It's so hard to tell. <laughs> we don't know. We should definitely talk about it. Yeah. Um, there was another Aaliyah thing, actually, I wanted to bring up. Because speaking of Queen of the Damned, it seemed like she had a, like, a list of movies lined up that she was planning to star in. Uh, she was finished Queen of the Damned before she died. But she was also going to be in Cradle to the Grave with this same group of co-stars. She was going to be in it with DMX in a much bigger role. Mm uh jet lee and anthony anderson and because she died they replaced her with gabrielle union yeah yeah interesting yeah she would have been good yeah she's i mean she's really good in this movie i thought she was great yeah Yeah. i mean this is my first time seeing her act oh cool Mm -hmm. um and like she 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 brings an interesting energy because it's like if you listen to her music, like, her whole vibe is... She's not, like, a big, belty diva pop star in the way that, like, a Mariah Carey is. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, like, a lot of people in that era. She's, like... She's cool. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, very, yeah. it's, very, it's very, like, mellow and understated. Um, and so... You, you know, I mean, not that best acting is most acting, but, like, <laughs> I, I would not have pegged her as, like, you, you're going to be a movie star now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I, I actually think she, bring, she brings a really cool energy to this movie. Um, Definitely. Mm-hmm. And I think that the movie even acknowledges that in some way, like that we have Aaliyah and she's in this role that she's going to be really good in. And they kind of like poke at like who she is in society in scenes in the movie. Like yes. right. <laughs> our, <laughs> one of our other favorite scenes is the music store scene where she's like trying to get away from Anthony Anderson and there's some some great little easter eggs like there's a poster for r kelly (laughs) in Uh. the music store (laughs) and then my favorite line of all time as she's like running away anthony anderson yells at her and says trish i'm gonna find your alia looking (laughs) ass and i yeah it's like most movies like they want you like they strive for immersion right like they want Mm -hmm. you to believe that you're watching a character and not an actor but this movie's like fuck that shit yeah. <laughs> it, 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 like this is Aaliyah you are watching Aaliyah like yeah yeah like we're going to play Aaliyah's songs over scenes that Aaliyah is in yeah and we mm-hmm. are also later in the movie where we are literally going to have a scene where Aaliyah playing a different character sings her own song in the club <laughs> It's great. They even even if like that line was something that just Anthony Anderson like riffed and came up with on the moment for a take, right. they decided to keep it and like acknowledge that they were like, yes, we want to keep this in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, you know what? Probably one of the better creative. Cho- I mean, that's definitely the hardest I laughed while watching. Yeah, it. Or, or at least like laughed on purpose. Right. Um, because you know there is the football scene, but like, right. um. I cannot fucking get over them putting that R. Kelly poster in that store. Yeah, it's not great. Um, it's not great. But I guess it's like, it's really not great now. But back then, there wasn't as much controversy and evidence. Well, I mean, the evidence is that he married a 15-year-old, right? Yes. The person in this movie. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not saying like that wasn't of known fact. I'm saying like there wasn't like a documentary calling him right. out and there There's... wasn't like a big case against him. Like sure. people were not as enraged as they clearly should have yeah. been. They should have been enraged. It shouldn't have taken so long. Yeah. But at the time they weren't and they were like, Oh, this is just a cute little nod. Right. It's horrifying now. But see, I like to believe that like some like set decorator or whatever was like, Hey, you know, really funny. Uh, what if we put this on Kelly poster in the scene? There's also, like, a part of me that wholly believes that, like, maybe they just went to a music store. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it's the times. Like, it's an authentic look for a music store at the time. Yeah, like, if if, if you pause it and, like, zoom in on, like, certain stuff in that store. Like, I noticed that in the new releases section, like, they are selling the score for Star Wars Episode (laughs) 1. Yeah, I have kind of a hard time believing that they would have chosen to include that if it they were like building the set for a record store. Yeah, like, I don't right. know why they'd be like, Oh yeah. You know, it'd be like a fun little thing to throw in here. Star Wars episode. Yeah. One. You're right. The CD. <laughs> it's a movie that no one fucking liked. <laughs> you definitely have the rights to show this picture. <laughs> yeah. I know. Right. Well, it's like, it's weird too. Cause you can only really tell. Cause it's like, it clearly says Star Wars on it, but like, I, I had no, I didn't notice at all until you pointed it out, that it was clearly the Star Wars Episode One soundtrack. Yeah, I mean, it's not a big deal, because, like, you have to pause the movie to notice yeah. it, but... Um, Immersion. Yeah. 
this movie does not care. Yeah, it's, it's like like there there are multiple Aaliyah songs. There are multiple like the, like there is a uh, Aaliyah featuring DMX song in the soundtrack that plays multiple times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the club scene later where Aaliyah sings her own song while teaching Jet Li to dance. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean. You sometimes, in the early 2000s, you made movies to sell soundtracks. <laughs> you did indeed. Yeah. We just did a whole watch of movies like that. <laughs> yeah. So, wait. Uh-huh. So, this came out after The Matrix, right? It oh, did. it very much came out, out, out. How could you tell? Yeah, right. <laughs> Tiny glasses. Yeah. Production happened as The Matrix would have been out in theaters, to my memory. Because okay. the uh, production happened in 99. Matrix is out in 99. Um, so there's a lot of obvious ties. Yeah. Like the glasses we were talking about, all the leather that both uh, Aaliyah and Isaac Washing- Isaiah Washington are wearing. Yeah. Uh, that leather jacket Isaiah Washington is wearing in his like final scenes of the movie <laughs> is incredible. You mean his like little Shakespeare-inspired brown leather number? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Loved it. <laughs> truly fantastic stuff. <laughs> So no, but yeah, it's it's like the the Matrix influence it like yeah, like we are definitely in the like post Matrix action movie bubble where it's like so much bad CGI and like wire stunts and the sunglasses and like let's put this cool electronic music over all the action scenes and like slow mo <laughs> and yeah, but, but like a lot of it, yeah, skeleton <laughs> it, it, it's like shout out to Joel Silver, yeah. yeah well i mean the thing is like it works in the matrix because the matrix is a science fiction movie where like the entire point of it is like we are finding out that our reality is not real and you can like bend these rules right whereas like romeo must die very much takes place in like our world right Mm -hmm. and so like watching all these actors like do these like impossible kung fu moves and like yeah, it, it, it's like you understand like why stylishly is cool, but like it makes zero sense to have this movie. <laughs> yeah, well, I think something to keep in mind with that though is that, like all the fight scenes are highly influenced by action that you see in Hong Kong action movies of the time, right. and that's like the whole reason that Joel Silver got jazzed about this idea. He felt like what he was seeing in American action movies was really boring, and he wanted to do something new, and he really liked Jet Li and his style and. One of the cool things about Jet Li is he does do a lot of his own stunts, and then he has, like, the fight choreographer who he had worked with a lot. So I think any of, like, the wiry kind of stuff that you really see happening might be a bit of the reflection of, like, I want to say, like, technology hasn't quite caught up to help cover that. Like, if you think about what they're doing with wires in, like, Marvel movies now, you can't tell really at all. But back then, like, Jet Li, yeah, maybe he can, like, jump up a wall but he can only really do so much as a person and he doesn't have like the post to cover the wires that have to help him fly through the air over isaiah washington to catch a football and then kick somebody in the head yeah well i mean i feel like a lot of like the hong kong action movies though like you're not trying to hide the fact that this is a wire stunt Mm -hmm. like like it's supposed to look like a wire stunt and i think like there's definitely mm-hmm. a case to be made that like Romeo must die is doing the exact same thing. It's like, it's like we're not trying to hide the fact that this is a wire stunt, like wire stunts are in. So we're doing wire stunts. Right. We'll see. I think that's the pitfall that they've run into. Cause I think in some ways it felt like they were trying to hide the wireness of them, but 
they failed and they should have just gone straight with these are wire stunts and it's obvious. You know what I'm saying? I wanted more CGI bone breaking. I wanted more skeleton fights. <laughs> I, t- <laughs> I wanted more skeleton fights. I was a little bummed. I wanted more Jet Li fighting with other people. Um, mm-hmm. I would have liked a nice car chase, perhaps. Ooh. I mean, yeah. you kind of got one with the motorcycle thing. But... I would have liked a second car chase. I feel like there, you could definitely have more than one car chase in this movie. Absolutely. Yeah. You could. I wanted more to happen during the car chase also. It felt like he spent too much time doing defensive driving rather than like simply using the car to knock over these two people on motorcycles, which he could have easily done like right at the beginning of the car right. chase. Yeah. Well, and I also feel like the fucking like 20 minute long football scene could have easily been replaced by a car chase. <laughs> instead. It could no, have no, no, been no, no, replaced, no. Chelsea. Yeah. No. no, the football I, scene's going nowhere. No, I, I will fight you on this. No, it should stay. Everything about it was just so unnecessary. <laughs> like, I. How dare you disparage the, the football scene? I, Every movie should have a 20 minute football scene right in the middle for no for reason. No reason. Other than to show yeah. up gently. Just be like, oh, he doesn't know what football is like. I guess we're going to like fuck crash into him. And while these kids eat ice cream. <laughs> and while Aaliyah weirdly like ogles. Just hangs out, eats ice cream. Oh, yeah. man. It's so good though. It is, it is both very good and very weird to have it in this movie. Yeah, I mean, first of all, like, let's just be clear. The scene's really stupid. Yes. <laughs> but, is. like, what I actually kind of like about that scene, genuinely, so, so like, my pers- Jet Li's a bit of a blind spot for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other Jet Li movie I think I've seen is, uh, Cradle to- well, I saw Cradle to the Grave. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I have seen Lethal Weapon 4. Mm-hmm. But, but, but like, I'm not familiar with any of his, like, Hong Kong movies or anything like that. Right. Mm, okay. And so, like, my kind of perception of Jet Li is, like, he is this super serious, stoic, like, kind of anti-Jackie Chan. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, if, if if Jackie Chan's going for all this, like, I'm going to, you know, insert all this kind of, like, Charlie Chaplin-esque slapstick humor, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jet Li's, you know, bringing it back to kind of the Bruce Lee, like, super stoic, super serious. But, like, I think he's very funny in this movie. Mm-hmm. he is i think he's pretty funny also actually like, uh, he's really yeah. funny during the football yeah. scene yeah he's really funny in the scene and like they give him jokes to do and like he delivers them well and like yeah and like even beyond like the comedy stuff like the scenes where he's performing in mandarin like i actually think he's doing actual good acting there yeah um, definitely i totally agree and, and like it stands out because you know like as i've said you know, as I said in the Belly episode, it's like a lot of what we call bad acting is bad directing. Right. Mm-hmm. And one could argue that, like, there's kind of like a baseline quality of acting in this movie that's not great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, 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 like, um, the Mandarin scenes, like, stand out because, like, well, like, actual acting is happening here. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they have, like, Henry O, oh, who at least to me, is, like, a really famous Chinese actor. And I think having the two of them paired up just kind of sets the scene for some really great acting to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of their sort of face-offs, even though I think they're both doing sort of a restrained sort of approach, are really good. Like, I really like the end scene between the two. 
it feels really emotional. I buy Jet Li's pain over what happened. And like, as he's standing there waiting for his dad to decide what he's going to do with the gun, there's like a lot of tension. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what's not great in this movie? What? What? This <laughs> is the gentrification of the <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's not good. It's bad. <laughs> It's it's kind of and like to, it's kind of crazy that like even in the year two thousand we're making movies about gentrifying the bay. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was rough. It's well, it's like this piece is very interesting too because it's the way gentrification is being portrayed is not what you typically see now, where it's like a lady in a big hat and a man wearing like heelys or something, or like you know turning a basement apartment <laughs> into like a piece of you know a glass <laughs> studio or something right like yes um it's uh like black and asian people gentrifying oakland which is what but i guess like but with all of that being kind of like under the umbrella of like the white man or like capitalism yeah. which is interesting yeah yeah I, I mean like we have like all these like i think in the pop media landscape in 2020, like when we think about gentrification and like the portrayal of it, like yeah, we are we are thinking about San Francisco in the Bay, mm-hmm. like uh you know like we have the last black man in San Francisco and we have Blind Spotting and um if you listen to like a lot of Bay Area hip hop these days, like they're definitely talking about that a lot more. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think based off going off of that, I think it's an interesting. When you think about what you just said and you think about this movie, this movie weirdly almost foretells how gentrification has really moved steadily into Oakland more recently. It used to be pretty much San Francisco based and now it's really moving out into areas like Oakland and Richmond. And um, it's interesting that it starts that it's interesting that it's like portrayed in this movie so that's so long ago where they're moving people off of the waterfront for something like an NFL stadium, which we all see happening sort of in LA right now in Inglewood um, and how rough that transition is going. And I guess just to me, it just gave me a lot to think about with how maybe we should have been paying attention to this a long time ago. Well, I think people, I think people are like more aware of the concept of gentrification now than they were in 2000. Yeah. But, you know, and as far as, like, race stuff in this movie, I was also, um, I found, like, the level of hip-hop in it very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just kind of, like, black culture in general and, like, the amount of, like, not a whole lot of white actors in this movie. No, there are, like, two white people in this movie. Yeah. I think that's kind of great, though, and I think... It's, it's I, absolutely um, great, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I would guess when I was talking about earlier how his choice to be in Romeo Must Die, which is sort of more of a hip-hop kind of based movie as opposed to the prestige um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, I said it made him more popular in a different market, a dim- different demographic. Yeah. And I think what I was kind of getting at there is when he does a string of movies like he does this and then he does Cradle to the Grave, it really opens him up to the black audience Mm-hmm. in a special way and then kind of like there's been a long tie of hip-hop and martial arts uh wu-tang clan for example right. yeah <laughs> um and i think it's just sort of an extension of that like if you see 
that maybe the black audience is really interested in martial arts movies, you kind of keep the trend going and you keep the connection to hip hop going. Yeah, well, I I also think like in this movie in particular, like so much of it is about specifically culture clash. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, That like, you know, releasing a movie like this in 2000, it's like there's not only like a culture clash between kind of the black gangs and the Asian gangs in this movie, but like the general movie going audience or, you know, Mm -hmm. what we thought of at the time was the general movie going audience and what they are seeing in this movie. Yeah. I think it's also weirdly very representative of like themes you see happening in hip hop at the time. If we look at Aaliyah's store, for example, all of the clothes she's selling are very Y2K, like Asian inspired dragons on pants, on shirts, on everything. I think like her, the woman who's manning the weird cafe counter has like chopsticks in her hair, things like that. And it's actually very representative of things you were seeing in music videos at the time. Like if I remember right, there's a B2K um, music video that has them all dancing with like a big dragon behind them. And then there's a Cisco (laughs) music video where there's a giant dragon behind him. And it's just like something you were seeing on a lot of clothing at the time. Wasn't uh, Uh, Cisco's album like Unleash the Dragon? It was. Yeah, exactly. And then like the Janet Jackson music video we were talking about, she has a lot of kind of Asian inspired stuff going on in her outfits, even though the theme is very spacey. You're just seeing it around a lot. So I think it's like it is a weird culture class, but it's also representative of what's going on in hip hop, what's going on in culture in general, because I will admit I am one of those people that was looking for dragons on pants. I wanted a a Chinese dragon on my zip off pants. And I had chopsticks to go in my hair. I had one of those. Yeah, I had that like one of those like funky dresses. Yes, definitely. It was all limited to's fault. Yeah. (laughs) To the point that when I went to Chinatown as a child to visit my grandpa who lived in the Bay Area, I was looking for those like Chinese dresses to wear with jeans and earrings and stuff. Because that's what was fashionable at the time. And you weren't thinking as much, I think, about, like, the yeah. horrible implications of, like, you taking this from th- another person's culture and just making it trendy. <laughs> yeah, no, there was, like, so much yes. cultural appropriation going on with that shit. Um, yeah, like, constantly. I was 10. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing yet. Um, well, yeah, they sold it at, like, Limited yeah. 2. Like, Garth, were you, you a big know? fan of Limited 2? Uh, I. Yeah, did you shop for at limited two? I do not know what limited two. Did you have what? Oh man, this is our big chance to be stunned at you for once. Limited two was uh, a big brand for tweens of our generation, tween girls specifically. You could go there and you could get all of the t-shirts you needed for back to school, all of the pants you needed, all of the weird little accessories. You could get notebooks backpacks lunch boxes blow up furniture it was great what is with y2k and blow up furniture yeah oh i have no idea it didn't even look it, it didn't look good then speaking of y2k stuff like alia's <laughs> store oh, God. is just full of the most yeah. millennial shit like yeah i've ever seen. i don't understand like so it's a store i think mainly it's a clothing store can we agree yes. on that it mm-hmm. also has a cafe which i guess i get Yes. The only it also has a DJ and a dance floor, which I think I actually understand more than the cafe, weirdly. 
But then is it also a boys and girls club? Because there's also just a bunch of children that are always hanging out there and they're always with Aaliyah. Well, I mean, that's that that's the thing on. with this movie in general, though. It's just like, who are all these kids and like, why are they always around Aaliyah? It's, it's like, it's in, no in the store and like in the park in the football scene. Yeah, it's never really yeah. laid out or explained why there are children around her. I think if they made it more clear that like she was funneling her dad's like money that she hated from the crime business into like taking care of these children as like a means of giving back and like reappropriating the funds towards something good that it would make more sense and i think maybe that is sort of what she's doing yeah and like also like if you if you watch that clothing store scene you know like the one where she's introduced the ratio of like kids to adults that are in that store it's very like heavily kid favored and so it's like, yes, this isn't just like yeah. parents bringing their kids while they shop at this store. It's like it, it seems like these kids were at the store and also there are people getting coffee or whole pies. Apparently, I, I paused the scene it's like she had, she just has whole <laughs> pie in the fucking window. I don't understand. And she's like, she's playing waitress also because she like goes up and says like, oh, make sure to get this guy a vanilla latte or something. And it's like, what? I, what is happening? Yeah, th this store is getting... No, it's like, very surreal. I don't know how long the store stays in business, but like this store is definitely <laughs> like the first store out when the recession hits. So like... Yeah, it's, it's yeah. all over the place. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is this store is definitely currently a Madewell. <laughs> That's what this store is right definitely. now in Oakland. Okay, so we talked about the football scene. We talked about the clothes store. Now we want to talk about another ridiculous scene, which is the call and death scene. Oh, so, yes. Now, I, I'm, I was never like a weed guy, but like even I know like, that is not real weed. Yeah. It looked like the, like, moss, like, the fake moss that you see in, like, nativity <laughs> scenes at, like, like, a Catholic person's house. Yeah. Um, you know? I do actually know. Yeah, it doesn't look like yeah, weed. And also, she, yeah. Yeah, and, and, like, she puts that joint in the wrong way, right? Yeah. <laughs> she puts it in backwards. Lovely. No one was spot checking that. Yeah, I mean, say say what you will, say what you will about Belly, but at least they got the weed right. <laughs> the weed was accurately. If portrayed only they had kept Belly. DMX in that scene, he would have corrected them. <laughs> Clearly, this was not a day he was on. Set. Maybe if like, if for some reason like a judge orders like DMX, you can't rap anymore. Like maybe that's his new job is to be like the on set drug inspector. Oh my god, the weed yeah. consultant, <laughs> the drug coordinator, the dramatist yeah. of weed. <laughs> I love that. I want to talk about another part of this scene that I think is really fucking weird. Um, uh -huh. So sometimes you watch things and you can just tell like it was filmed before 9-11. And like there are clearly some obvious ones where it's like someone at an airport picking someone up after they get off a plane or, you know, stuff like that. But like yeah. there's a part in this like scene where like Colin and the lady who doesn't know how to smoke weed like the room explodes and they like get launched out of the building which is a high rise so you have this extended yeah. shot of these two people falling out of a high rise and then like 
tumbling to the ground. And that is just something like when I saw that scene, I was like, this would never have been filmed after nine, like post 9-11. Yeah. I think you're totally yeah. right. Yeah, I definitely did not make that connection until you brought it up in our like yeah. planning for this episode. That's a good meeting. catch. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's like it's like Sanchez and I were writing like out our notes and stuff, and Chelsea makes this, and she made this point about and I was like, <laughs> oh god, I didn't think about it at all. Yeah, it's super weird. Um, yeah, just like totally no way that that like something would ever be filmed like that no again. No way, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's one dark spot in this movie. Yes. Uh, A one dark spot. Yes. Besides the gentrification of Oakland. (laughs) Okay. Two. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, speaking of two, uh, (laughs) what a good segue. (laughs) Yes, Garth, speaking Uh, of two. So, uh, something I noted that DMX is two for two. With in with for movies with like topless women randomly dancing around in the club, it's just the energy he exudes. It makes me, women want to take their tops off. Um, you guys. Uh oh. Uh oh. Certain women. Oh, is that who could Ben it be? Shapiro? Are, are you back? Um. <laughs> yes, I have a point about topless oh, women. Man. Okay, oh. let's hear it. Um, they should not be on camera. Because it is disrespectful. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> this isn't what Susan B. Anthony wanted. <laughs> ladies, get your B words out of here. What? B word is booby, <laughs> obviously. Ben Shapiro, watch your mouth. <laughs> yeah, God, it's so vulgar. Gosh, we're gonna have to bleep that out later. <laughs> um, it was for effect. It was very important to the conversation <laughs> at hand. Thank you, Ben Shapiro, for. Joining us again. We appreciate you. You're very welcome. As always. I have to go be with my wife now. Great. Say hi for us. Because she is real. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Sanchez, did you see that Ben Shapiro was here? Oh my god, I just missed him. It's crazy. I always miss him. What was Ben Shapiro doing here? What was he up to? He said boobies. Can you believe it? My ears are burning. Wow. So, so rude. rude. What a rude man. Yes, indeed. Uh, you guys know <laughs> what time it is. What time is it? It's time for segments. Ooh. In our first Ooh. big segment, my favorite segment, it's my nitpick corner. <laughs> the segment where I nitpick movies to death <laughs> in an attempt to apparently ruin them for Garth. <laughs> um, it's not that like your nitpicks ruin the movie. So I'm just like, I'll show you a movie I really like. And I'm like, hey, Butler, what did you think of the movie? And you're like, I don't know. This, you know, insert random nitpick here. I think, I think it sucked. I was like, oh. <laughs> well, incredible. I, uh, this was a big nitpick. And actually, now that I think about it, I probably should have brought it up when we were talking about uh, gentrification and other racial issues in this movie. Because there's a scene where Jet Li is fighting a bunch of the black mob oh. henchmen. And he sprays them with a water hose. <laughs> and I don't know if this really should be a nitpick as more of a, just a big issue because yeah. the, the the image of somebody spraying a bunch of black men with a hose has certainly not aged well and would not have aged well by 2000. 
Yeah, and it's made way worse by the fact that, like, you have specifically gone out of your way to designate this as a black gang. Yeah, uh, in Oakland. Uh, Yeah, it's not good. (laughs) And it's in a black-owned business. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that someone should have probably made a little note and been like, you know what, maybe we don't do this part. It sucks because, like... In a lot of ways, the fight he, that he is doing with the hose itself is really cool. That he turns the hose into a weapon. It's just when he turns it on and starts spraying them, and they're struggling against the water hoses. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> not good. Guess the director, or guess the race of the director. Uh, yeah, and the producer. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah. my next nitpick is, uh, we all loved and talked about Aaliyah's store. Did anybody else but me notice that the curtains on the dressing rooms were clear? I, I, I did notice that, yeah. I, I did not What is the that. point? Why? What is the obsession, the Y2K obsession with clear, like, inflatable things? Like, no, you can see through it. It's not appropriate for a dressing room. How dare they? Aren't all the kids, like, dancing right outside of those, like, clear dressing room curtains? Too? Yes, they are right in the middle of the dance floor. Uh, yes. I would have assumed that they were going to be back behind the door, but it turns out the door to the side is Aaliyah's office. So those are 100% the dressing areas. So, yeah. Yeah. This business and is a mess. It is. It's definitely closing and becoming a made well. <laughs> you know, it's like, for some reason you have a cafe, and, I mean, you're probably going to have to go, like, get permits for that. And you've got this, like, in-house DJ you got to pay. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's and crazy. if all the kids just happen to look yeah. left, like, they're going to see uh, someone dressing. I know, right? It's a mess. Uh, I also think that another thing that was a mess is I didn't understand what was going on with this, like, basketball, like, uh, I guess it's, like, gently remembering a time that I think he saved his brother from drowning by having them float on a basketball until they got to Hong Kong. But it, I don't know. I'm so confused about this scene. Well, obviously what happened is that uh, him and his brother were, you know, out swimming. And the brother was like, hey, I've, I've got a basketball. Oh, Jet Li, you're drowning. Uh, the, the basketball floats. Uh, here, get on this basketball and I'll swim you to shore. I don't know. I think I think it's the other way around and Jet Li is saving Poe. But oh. I, I'm pretty sure. I'm not 100% sure. Uh but that's the big problem. I don't know what's going on with this scene. It feels like they cut a bunch of dialogue. I don't know. Or like even a whole scene explaining what happened. I actually prefer <sighs> to think of it as like, my brother is drowning. Yeah. I've got the basketball. I'm going to go <laughs> save him. I wish we could at least see him running out into the water with the basketball. That's all. Like, I just want a little bit of setup. Because right now it's just like he finds a deflated basketball all of a sudden cut to flashback and they're in the water kicking their yeah. way to Hong Kong, apparently. Or you can just say, like, uh, in the scene when Jet Li's in prison and he finds out about the death, you could just say, like, hey, your brother died as opposed to, like, making it a mystery. Therefore, you don't have to have the scene at all. <laughs> well, it's also weird because, like, there's, like, basketball is, like, symbolically important in this movie, but then they never play basketball, they play <laughs> football. Hmm. So like, I, I, why? I, I like uh, why? if it was like a football instead of a basketball. Like that football scene takes a whole lot, whole, whole new meaning. Because like, what if they do that scene with Jet Li's 
dead brother about football. What if it had been about basketball the whole time instead? Like, what if they were trying to get a new NBA franchise and they had challenged him to, like, a pickup basketball game and he would have to dunk over Anthony Anderson instead of jumping over him with the football? Huh? Yes. <laughs> well, that would have been great. That would have been pretty good. Um, for our Romeo Must Die rewrite. Speaking mm. of the NFL, though, the timeline of the NFL that they're setting up is way off. For some reason, they're complaining about how the Raiders have left Oakland. This movie takes place in 1999 when the Raiders are back in Oakland. In fact, they've been there since 1995 and will be there for a good stretch of time. It doesn't make any sense that they're trying to get a new NBA, a new NFL franchise to the area. Like, these are really important years for the Raiders. Like, 98 and 99 are the big John Gruden years when he finally leads them out of last place. It doesn't... I don't understand. Oh. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't, I don't know any of those words. <laughs> I don't know who John Gruber is Gruden. or any of that. <laughs> Goodman? I... I know. All I know is that apparently Raider starter gear is cool, or yes. was in 1992. Butler is the football fan of the group. I am. Go Packers! Yeah, she is also a massive jock, and one time she gave me a swirly. I, d- you know, I'm not going to admit that I'm a huge jock, but I will cop to the swirly. I'm sorry. <laughs> my feelings. I apologized. We're good. <laughs> Just she, she also gave me a, a wedgie and slammed me into a locker. Don't forget about the purple nurple. <laughs> no, Garth and I are good roommates. <laughs> we take care of each other. I, there was a nitpick I had about Belly that I did not voice, but was, thank goodness, corrected in this movie. There's a scene where Aaliyah's woken up in the middle of the night and she's wearing these comfy pajamas and a big sweater and a headscarf, which mm. is accurate and relatable. And in Belly, all of the women were sleeping in, like, sexy lingerie with full hair and makeup done right. for some reason. Even Tion, who has, like, a newborn baby, mm-hmm. like, no, not going to happen. So thank you, uh, thank you, Romeo Must Die, for showing accurate portrayals of how we sleep. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, like, when did we start portraying Black women sleep gear correctly? Uh, apparently with Romeo Must Die. <laughs> so, 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 we, so we did it right with Romeo Must Die, and then we forgot about that for like, like know, 20 15, years. 16 yeah. years? Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's wearing a, like, um, Donald Glover's girlfriend in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. She looks, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. yeah. She's got to get that hair wrapped up. Otherwise, it's going to be a mess in the morning. Uh, my last one is, why did they force poor Jet Li to dance in this club? Like, the chemistry between him and Aaliyah is already really awkward and forced and, like, trying to make him dance amongst all these other people that are dancing really well. And then Aaliyah's dancing, like, all on top of him. It was just weird and uncomfortable, and it felt unnecessary. Might I recommend to you the uh, Try Again music video? <laughs> oh, no. More. Jetly dancing. Oh God. Okay. Well, I mean, like what they're doing in that video. It, like, just watch it because it, they're not really dancing so much as like he's like it's kind of like a reverse thing where like he's showing her like kung fu moves and stuff like that. 
Oh, see, that sounds, that's what but, but, this but scene like should have been. See, that would have been really cool if he had turned like the dancing into like moves or something, or if he turned his moves into dancing, you know, vice versa. I think that that could have been really cool. And it probably would have attracted more attention than her just awkwardly grinding on him. Right. And yeah. that was sort of the point, I think, to get DMX's attention. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. While singing her own song. <laughs> yes, like you cannot, uh, you can't forget about that. Speaking of DMX, uh, he's only in like two scenes. Of oh, this oh movie. yeah, the, the, yeah. But this is, a, this, is a, this is a podcast about DMX, right? right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it's the dog cast. Uh, anyway, y- so, year of the dog cast. Yeah, sorry, year of the dog cast. Uh, and I want to know: Do you guys think DMX was good in this movie? Absolutely. Yeah, high, incredible, truly. Okay, cool. I feel like he really shined in those two scenes, honestly. I really appreciated how he was always in silk shirts yes. to match his name. <laughs> but his acting I, I, is also good. Yes. I feel like another, like, Y2K aesthetic thing. I liked uh, DMX's, like, cream leather jacket in his first scene. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was pretty cool. It was very good. But, yeah, like, I, I think, like, that is a correct usage of DMX. It's just, like, have him in your movie and talk shit. Yes, yeah. definitely. Now, in those two scenes, would we argue that TMX is the best part of the movie? Sadly, no. <sighs> no. I wouldn't either. Sanchez, what do you think is the best? Uh, the yeah. crab. <laughs> crab scene. <laughs> the crab scene. I, the crab scene is top tier. I really, truly enjoyed it. Um, no, I don't know. I liked Jet Li a lot. Um, I thought he did a good job. Um, I liked Aaliyah in this movie as well. Um, I think it was, I think what I liked most about this movie was it's just kind of like general Y2K vibes. Mm-hmm. I thought that was fun. Yeah. I think that my favorite part is the tie between like the general Y2K vibes and like the nostalgia that brings up. And honestly, I really liked Anthony Anderson. I thought he was really funny. And every time he came mm-hmm. on screen, my dad and I were, like, trying to decide how long it was going to take for Jet Li to beat him up and steal his car again. Uh, and we were mostly right. And I just mm-hmm. think, like, it's a great person for him to play against, uh, Jet Li being him. And I don't know. It's just, like, he was given also all of these, like, really bad lines. But I think he did really well. Like, one of them was, like, he's been calling Jet Li dim sum, which is just a nickname you cannot get away with now and you certain should not have been allowed to get away with before but one of his lines is sometimes it's like you win some and what is it shoot i got it wrong you you dim some you lose some if we're talking about actors uh i would agree that i think anthony anderson is the best part of the movie he's very funny because i think my favorite thing in the movie is trish i'm gonna find your Leah look (laughs) (laughs) it's so good and I truly feel like that's something he came up with, honestly. It feels like some, like an off-the-cuff yeah, remark. Yeah, it, it does feel like an improvised joke, and I appreciate the hell out of the decision to leave it in <laughs> Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, do we feel like this movie would be better if DMX had had his chance at a Will Smith-style song explaining the plot of the movie? Yes. <laughs> yes. I also feel like we're so, we're like very, very close to actually getting that. Because there's so many DMX songs like in mm-hmm. this movie, but like this movie certainly would have been see, made better I would, with the DMX song explained. See, I would argue that the opening song, in a way, it's I know that it, I don't think it was created specifically for this movie, uh, so it loses that aspect. But in a lot of the ways, you can 
take what DMX is saying in his song and it can easily be applied to Jet Li's point of view. So I uh, I got some of the lyrics, actually, for Ooh. the opening song, which is oh, yeah. I'm going to crawl and I'm going to read them to you. I'm not going to okay. rap them. but I, I, I think I would prefer it if you rap them. I can't. I just know I can't. It's not going to happen. Um, anyway, so they are uh, live and learn. Life is a lesson and I'm going to teach. And I'm going to teach it. First, I'm going to crawl. Then I'm going to walk. Then I'm going to stand. Then I'm going to talk. But I got to learn in order to teach. Then I got to burn in order to reach. Yo, I see what I see day by day, hoping that the Lord will pave my way. What? (laughs) Have I been forgotten? Have I forsaken? Or maybe I'm just wrong with the moves that I've been making. Hating others because they hate me over envy. They want to send me when we used to be friendly. So to me, I see these lyrics and I think like maybe these are the musings of Jet Li when he's in prison wondering like what has his life become and like why did he take the fall for his dad and let himself get locked up and like how can he be better now that he's getting out of prison to go avenge his brother? <laughs> I unfortunately feel like DMX recorded a song and he just used it in the movie. <laughs> I mean, that's probably more likely, but I think that this is really close to a Will Smith style song. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, that's that's what was my opinion on that. Uh, no, I mean like it, it's valid. Um, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like it. I like the thank spirit. You. Thank of you it. for validating my opinion. I really yeah, need I, it. I, 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 I like that you think very highly of the movie, and you think that they were like they thought of that when they had to record that song. Well, okay. If anything, I think maybe you're right. It's like they looked for a song by DMX that would apply well in this case and that's the one they chose and that that's what i think happened but yeah i don't know we may never know unless we can interview him uh i do want to know what does everybody think about the outfits like what outfit was the most 90s of all the ones we saw well are we talking like 90s outfits or y2k outfits i feel like actually you know what now i think about it y2k is probably more appropriate for the time period yeah uh, I mean, I think for me, it has to go, it has to be all of the Matrix <laughs> classes, right? Like, that is something we that came and went, and we've never truly seen it again, and it's just a beautiful moment in time. <laughs> nice. There are two contenders for me. All right, let's hear them. One is one we talked about, which is Isaiah Washington's leather jacket in his last uh, scene. Yeah. The other is... Jet Li goes back to his murdered brother's apartment and Aaliyah is there crying. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. That outfit Aaliyah is wearing. It, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, I, it's like the most dressed up she is in the whole movie. <laughs> but it's, a, it's like, okay, you put on this outfit and all this makeup and all that just to go over to Jet Li's apartment and cry? Well, yeah, she's got a more and stylishly. Fair point. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Thank you for taking that point. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to process my grief with style. Yeah. And only the Y2K era. Um, I think for me, it's that one's a really, it's a good contender. I think that the f- first outfit that we see her in is probably the most Y2K because it's an all black look again. Her hair's kind of half up and uh, she's got the Chinese dragon on her pants in like bright gold. And I think some seeing that kind of stuff, because they're like the baggy looking sort of zip off pants to my memory. 
that really signif like that's quintessential of this time period. Also, uh, Isaac, the first time we see him is in this like baggy, like PD oh, style tracksuit. <laughs> and it's so good. Oh, yeah. It feels oh, very yeah. that era. It feels very like rock aware or like fat farm or something. And it's yeah. perfect. Just perfect. Are we talking about like the scene where yeah. Del Rolindo is like uh, shooting, uh, shooting golf balls, hitting golf balls in his like backyard? Yeah, the first time we see him when he's practicing his putts and he finds and out. Isaiah, and Isaiah Washington is wearing that jacket that's like eight times too big. Yes. <laughs> all of Isaiah Washington's clothes are great and they're all leather. Uh, but yeah, that tracksuit, so good. <laughs> all right, guys. So then, final segment. I want to know where would you rank this movie against Belly? I liked it a lot more than Belly. I definitely put it above Go. Belly for me. <laughs> I gotta stick with Belly. Ah, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 uh, Romeo's, it doesn't have, Romeo Must Die doesn't have the, like, it was made by alien quality <laughs> that, uh, was, that made Belly what it is. Yeah. That's true, but I also, like, I enjoyed this much more and I thought this was yeah. very fun. But I do, I, well, you're also, like, uniquely fascinated with Belly. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. I'm with Sanchez. I like this one better. I... Shocker. I know, I yeah. knew this was going to happen, too. I, I think <laughs> Belly's still going to end up somewhere in the middle. But... Yeah, this is why when you come home, there's going to be a giant-ass poster of Belly in our apartment. I shit you can do about it. I swear to God, I will rip that poster <laughs> off of the wall, Garth. And I will politely put it in your room. <laughs> I can't come in my room. Me. Well, you can't make decisions about the shared living spaces without me. <laughs> okay, so uh, that was our conversation on Romeo Must Die. Uh, up next, we got Exit Wounds. Woo -woo. Any Woo. Steven Seagal fans in the house? Kinda, yeah. <laughs> Not like, I, there's an era <laughs> where like I like Steven Seagal's films for a lot of the same reasons I like Romeo Must Die. But I would like to be very clear that I do not agree with his life choices and his stances. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, he's terrible. None of his politics. Trash. We don't share any of those. That's, but, that's all I have to say. But he's a fellow yeah. musician like DMX. What? Oh, Steven Seagal has albums. What? We'll, we'll talk about this next week. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Incredible. <laughs> thank Absolutely. you uh, for listening. Uh, thank you to the Chelsea's. <laughs> thank you, Garth. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Garth. Uh, Butler, where can people follow us on social media? All right, guys. Finally got some social media set up. You can follow us on Instagram. We are at Bwitta Podcast. That is at B-W-I-I-T-A Podcast. Find us. It's a fun Zubwitta feed. Bwitta is the uh, abbreviation for But What If I Tried Acting, in case you guys didn't understand that. Bwitta. <laughs> If it helps, yeah. we're the Buitta that's marked as, but yeah. what if I tried acting in the description? Plus, you'll see our amazing profile picture put together by one Garth Ginsburg. So proud of him. It's fun. <laughs> Incredible. Truly. Art. Truly. Thank you, guys. <laughs> sh sh shout out to free photo editing software on browsers. <laughs> and then you can follow us on Twitter at BuittaPod. That is B-W-I-I-T-A-P-O-D. And on Facebook, we are, but what if I tried acting? 
All right, guys. As always, this has been great. I can't wait until next week when we can talk about exit wounds. Hey, bye, everyone. Until then, bye. Yay. Truly. Truly. <laughs> I love it though. You sound like an orc. An orc? Now, Garth, do you mean the orcs from Lord of the Rings or the ones from Star Trek? Lord of the Rings. There, there was orcs in Star Trek. Aren't those is aren't those that isn't that the alien race they're always fighting? No. Oh. Well, anyway. <laughs>